Welcome to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I'm your host, Al Walsh, brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, that's SportsPredictor.com. Also, make sure you give us a follow there on Twitter, at PredictorHQ. Today, our guest is Chris Dawson, back with us for the third time. I can follow him on Twitter, at Cash Gritty. Uh, we're going to be breaking down week two of the NFL season and also have a uh, very early look into week three of the uh, the NFL season as well here. What's going on, Chris? How did uh, week two go for you? Hey, Al. Thanks for having me. Uh, great to be here this morning. Um, it went great. We uh, we went five and two for the day. Nice. Um Cash is on the Lions, the Colts, the Seahawks, the Packers, uh, the Sunday night football, uh, Philly Atlanta under, and some ones that didn't go our way were the Giants and the Bengals. So five and two uh, for the week, which um, we'll take any any week of the season, of course. Very nice. As, uh, as we talk about, uh, you know, we two here, I see Russell Wilson here on the TV. I actually had the Steelers side of that game, but... Um, what would, uh, what was something from that game that you, uh, that you saw where you didn't think Pittsburgh was going to, uh, come out on top? Um, a lot of that was of course, fading, uh, fading Pittsburgh's performance off of week one. Um, it was very uncharacteristic for their team to, uh, open up week one at new England. So flat. So there wasn't, um, a lot of confidence behind the Steelers and, um, kind of felt like there was, uh, more to the story than just what we saw on Sunday night. Um, now the big Ben's out, of course, is a new story. So still, still not a real sure what was going on under the direction of big Ben, but, um, just felt like, uh, the, the Steelers were a team to fade last week. So I'm glad that you mentioned, uh, Roethlisberger there. Uh, what it, what do you, uh, think about the Steelers going forward? You think, uh, Mason Rudolph can, uh, can steer the ship in the right direction? Well, um, of course, you know, we don't have a lot of tape on, on Rudolph and he hasn't played much, but the Steelers trading for uh, making the trade yesterday of giving up their first round draft pick for defensive back out of, out of Miami and Fitzpatrick. Um, I think that that really shows uh, that the Steelers believe in, in Mason Rudolph and as an organization, you know, they are very strong. They have a lot of other key veterans on the team and also a long tenured coach. So um, I, I wouldn't give up on the Steelers just quite yet. And one of the big signs for that is they haven't given up on themselves either. So uh, they must see something there that, that makes them feel like they're still competitive. Um, so I, I wouldn't write the Steelers off quite yet. Yeah, that's actually a very good point there with, uh, you know, we have such a quarterback heavy draft coming up, uh, you know, in 2020. So, you know, you're absolutely right for them to give up their first round pick right there and, and actually go the route of safety, you know, which has kind of been a problematic area for them. Uh, definitely, definitely shows not only that they believe in, um, in Rudolph there, but I think also it shows that, hey, you know what, this, is, this season isn't necessarily over yet. You know, you, you look around the rest of the division. I mean, Baltimore, yes, they're 2-0, and but the two wins came against the Dolphins and the Cardinals. The two teams that are, you know, projected to do the absolute worst this season. And, uh, you know, you also look at the, the Steelers' schedule coming up here. Uh, you know, definitely some winnable games there. So we always know that the AFC Central – I'm sorry, the AFC North is going to be a battle uh, no matter what. So uh, definitely, definitely the Steelers uh, holding on there. Let's uh, – you know, we just talked about Roethlisberger. I mean, of course, th you know, this has been the season so far of quarterback injury news. 
Uh, Drew Brees also going down in that week to match up. Um, what uh, what do you think about Teddy Bridgewater and the, and their chances going forward? Not not a big not a big supporter of Teddy Teddy Bridgewater. You know, we haven't seen him play in a while, so I could be wrong on that. Um, but I do think that eventually they get um, Taysom Hill yeah. involved heavily in, in the offense. Um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater could be a stopgap if they end up getting Drew Brees back in a reasonable timetable, which uh, I think is, is, if I'm not mistaken, is kind of up in the air right now. So not real sold on Bridgewater. Um, so I would like to see, you know, if, if Sean Payton is able to implement Hill and get him more involved in the offense and um, and see if maybe there's a future there. So uh, I, I don't quite like the Saints um, without Breeze having as much of a chance to hang in this season as the Steelers without Roethlisberger. But again, they, they do have a um, veteran coach who who's able to adapt so i wouldn't necessarily write them off yet either uh and last but not least uh right here in my neck of the woods uh the giants today making the announcement that they will not go with eli manning for week three they're going to go with the rookie quarterback daniel jones out of duke now uh this is certainly going to be you know a topic of sports radio all day here in new york i i've only been listening to the national shows uh early on today but uh, you know, what are, what are your feelings on Jones? And this has to be an upgrade for the Giants, right? Yeah, I think they're, I mean, I think they're making the right move. It, the first two weeks didn't get off to such a great start. Um, the division, the division with the Cowboys and the Eagles and the NFC East, I think, um, definitely would make it not impossible for the Giants to dig out of the oven too, but, um, a little bit tougher, so I can see why they're they're going ahead with the look ahead. And on the flip side, um, Eli just hasn't performed um, that well, and they may be better even on the short term with Daniel Daniel Jones playing. So I, I agree with the move. Um, they spent heavily on him by uh, how high he was drafted, and um, the team's really not being real competitive. So put him out there let's see what he can do i uh, do you see a uh, suitable trade partner out there for eli manning or you think the giants are just gonna you know uh hold on to him there as the uh, backup just in case things go really sideways for jones well with the way quarterbacks are dropping uh, there could be somebody <laughs> out there i i really wouldn't imagine them them paying you know too much for Eli since he, uh he is on the downside uh downside mountain of his career and um and I don't want to really speculate on how Eli feels about his career and what he wants to do with it. But I wouldn't be surprised either, you know, um, if if they did approach Eli and see how he feels about it. And he says, hey, I'll, I'll just ride it out here with the Giants and, and finish things off here. Um, not to say he's not a competitive guy, but I also don't think he'd want to be uh, traded somewhere to where he goes through uh, – what he's been through, you know, over the last couple of years with lack of an offensive line and lack of a team around him. Um, on, on the flip side, uh, if there was a major contender, um, I guess we could, you know, throw the Saints or somebody like that in there. That it would be very intriguing uh, to see Eli in a different uniform and an offensive line that could protect him to see what he does. But I, I think the chances are probably slim. All right. So uh, I guess just to uh, you know put the put the cap on week two. Uh, any any big surprises, uh, disappointments? Uh, I don't know. Just uh, just talk about I guess what uh, what really stood out for you there in week two. 
Well, um, I, I think the um, one of the disappointments for me personally is just like in week one, we, we saw the Chiefs. Um, we saw the Chiefs sitting there at minus seven um, going into Oakland, and I, I didn't take it. Um, but as the number came down, it kept getting more intriguing to watch. So um, I, I don't know if it was really quite a surprise, but it was a little bit disappointing uh, how the Raiders' offense played um, week one uh, against the Chiefs, especially after being up 10 Yeah, I was just about to um, say that. It's such a great start. Yeah, they got off to to a great start. Um, but, of course, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are just on another level right now in, in regards to scoring points and moving the offense, even with it out Tyreek Hill. So um, a little bit disappointed in, in the Raiders' offense being able to score points. But on the flip side, also uh, kind of surprised by how well the defense did, did play over four quarters. Um, even though that last quarter we, we kind of saw the Chiefs just uh, melting the clock and, and not really wanting to show much of the offensive playbook. Yeah, so, you know, what, what was um, interesting about that, too, you know, hey, if they didn't play the second quarter, they would have shut out the Chiefs on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, if it was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. I, I'm, I'm sure Andy Reid and uh, Pat Mahomes would have called things a little bit differently late in the game there. But, um, yeah, the second quarter definitely got away from them. And just like week one, I, I kind of saw that Chiefs minus seven and, and, and I as, probably as well as a lot of other people um, felt like the Raiders were still being a little bit overvalued from the week one performance, which was really good, but I wouldn't say great. And uh, the Chiefs went in there and handled business at minus seven. That they did. Let's uh, let's get into week three a little bit here. We got some pretty interesting games, two monstrous spreads that we got to look at. Uh, you know, just as you know, we saw one there with the Patriots uh, last week. So of course, again, we're going to see them in that position again. But uh, let's start it off with the Thursday night game, which we're going to have here uh, to kick off week three. Uh, we got the Titans favored at minus one and a half. Uh, we got a total of 39 and a half. Uh, as, as I wrote down the notes, is this a good night to catch up on sleep? Or, you know, we got something to bet on here. Uh, no, I think it's a, you know, rather you would wager on the game or not. I, I do think it's a good Thursday night um, game for just entertainment and enjoyment. It's a division division game. I think both teams um because of the lack of a dominant performer in that division are both still in it. Uh, the Jags, of course, are in desperation for, for a win at home. And um, the Titans, after losing at home last week to the Colts, um, also really want to have this game. So I don't think it's a sleeper at all. I think it'll be a defensive, entertaining game. Um, I haven't made a final decision on the game yet, but I am kind of leaning towards the, the Jaguars at home. Uh, the defense has definitely bounced back last week and played really, really well. And it's a, it's a must-win situation. So kind of leaning towards the Jags at home. Haven't made a final decision, but um, I, I don't think it's a sleeper game at all. I think it's uh, a very pivotal game for the AFC South and, and also um, a very entertaining game for, for us football fans who really enjoy watching good defense play. So, uh, you know, just as we saw last week, uh, on a short week for, you know, Thursday night football, uh, we hit the under on that one. So, again, we've got the total set here, 39.5 on this one. 68% of the public bets already on the under. I feel like a lot of people are, uh, you know, cer- certainly taking that uh, that narrative of the short week uh, for struggling offenses here. Um, 
What do you think about the total on this one? You think we could catch Vegas slipping with the uh, 39 and a half? Think we could top that? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to touch it personally. Um, Jaguars defense, especially playing against Tennessee and, and their um, offensive line, which is kind of a weakness, um, makes you makes you think under. And then, of course, also with with Jacksonville's quarterback situations and and their just history of having trouble scoring makes you think under here. But the thirty nine and a half is really low, and a lot of times in in these defensive games where, um, for one, the defense is a strength, but on top of that, we also have both offensive lines really struggling. Uh, what we can find is free runners at the quarterback here, uh, defense taking over on short fields, and that, that can lead to some easy scores and some defensive scores as well. So uh, although I'm not going to touch the over-under, um, that would be the reason I see is that the defenses, of course, are top-notch, but the, the offensive lines and lack of production from the offense could actually lead the scores. So, you know, if I was forced to take a pick there, I would actually kind of lean towards that low that low over. Um, but I, I think it's better to stay away from me personally and, and possibly just focus on the sides. Yeah, you know, it would be nice, too. If you remember uh, last year, this was a Thursday night matchup with the Jags and the Titans. You know, if uh, – Derrick Henry can break off another 99-yard touchdown run. That, that would certainly help things for the over as well. Yeah, sure. And I just think it's too low. You know, we're 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 and probably by the time kickoff comes, I wouldn't be surprised if it slides another point, point and a half, and and we get under under um, 10 points a quarter. Which you know, because of uh, our offensive league that we're in now, that, that's pretty low. Yeah. So. Uh, be hard to pull the trigger on the under for Thursday night. This kind of reminds me of the uh, the national championship game with uh, UVA and Texas Tech, where everybody was like under, 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 and then of course you know, over. It blows up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so let's take a look at these two monstrous spreads that we got here, and we'll see if you're going to take either one of these here. But we'll start it off. Uh, let's go with the Patriots game first, since we just saw the Jets last night. Now the Patriots are actually favored by 23 points. Uh, over the Jets here, uh, it actually opened at 20, and you know we saw it move three points. Again, a lot of that having to do with Trevor Simeon uh, out last night. Now you got Luke Falk, the former Washington State quarterback. There, there was a great uh, photo last night where uh, Mike Leach apparently is now the whisperer with uh, Mishnu out there in uh, Jacksonville, yeah. and now Falk uh, here playing for the Jets. But what's interesting here. Taking a look at the implied uh, team total here for the Jets, an unbelievably low 10.5 going on there for them. So, are we going to see the Patriots dominate the Jets or any reason to uh, take the plus 23 here? Um, Well, of course it's hard to take the the plus 23 with the Jets in the situation that they're in. I I don't think it's quite as uh, dire as the situation in Miami um, for the simple fact that the Jets defense even last night is just extremely competitive and well coached um, but also we have to wonder how hard how much effort and how hard that defense will continue to play um, whenever they're going to be spending a lot of time on the field and for for lack of a better term, playing for nothing other than their paycheck, uh, what's they're they're already getting. But just like last week, I just couldn't pull the trigger on on the Patriots giving the big line to the Dolphins, not because they're 
not capable of covering that number, but uh, the second half and a backdoor cover are, are very scary in the NFL when you start getting in the numbers that high. And um, so, of course, you know, the Patriots are, are 23 points better than the Jets if they chose to be. I guess the hang-up with something like that is, you know, will the Patriots choose to flex their muscle um, against the Jets or – well, you know, I don't think they come in flat. You know, Belichick and Brady lead that team to always be prepared, no matter uh, how tough the uh, opponent or lack of toughness uh, of the opponent that week. But it's still just too many points to worry about. You know, a backdoor cover um, and that Jets defense, if if they can somehow keep them focused and playing, um, you know, they are definitely in the in the upper half, probably top third of the league in regards to uh, defensive strength. So, um, again, probably be a no-go. Can't really take the Jets with the points for me and, and um, just can't lay that many points with the Patriots uh, knowing knowing that they may finish the game um, just in meltdown mode and, and, and a shell defense. Yeah, so, for sure. I, I, oh, and I was just going to say, I, I, you know, there's a huge mismatch there with the Patriots receivers against the Jets cornerbacks. That You know, that's one thing. We saw Quinn and Williams and C.J. Mosley miss last night's game, so, you know. So if they come back, you know that's certainly a big help there for the Jets' defense. And you know, look when we saw the the Jets take the training wheels off Luke Falk last night. I mean, he made a couple decent throws. Now, I am not saying in any regard he's thrown for 300 yards against the Patriots, but you know, these are just these are awesome things to certainly look at as we go into that game. Sure. Most definitely. All right, and then the uh, the second one here. We've seen the Dolphins here on the uh, on the tail end of some of these butt kickings, but uh, looks like they're going to be in another one. Cowboys favored by twenty one and a half at home against the Dolphins in this one. We we're just kind of talking about that Patriots defense, uh, you know how they were rolling up the Dolphins last week. A uh, lot of lot of wacky plays that went off, you know. Uh, Dolphins receivers' hands where they couldn't get it. I know two of those pick sixes late, you know, certainly helped the Patriots cover in that one and, you know, made the score look a lot worse than it actually was. Uh, Any way that the Dolphins cover here, maybe getting out on the road helps them a little bit. What do you think? It's You just really can't touch the Dolphins right now. The organization is, um, you know, they've already shown that they, they are selling out uh, everyone's for sale. It's a uh, 100% complete fire. So, so you, you just really can't trust the Dolphins, um, similar to the Patriots game and, and, and similar to the uh, Patriots Dolphins last week. Really hard um, to lay that many points in the NFL. But if you had to, you, you definitely can't lay the you definitely can't lay down with the Dolphins here and put money behind them. They're just um, just a wreck. Uh, at some point, once the um, the sell off is complete, and we get some young guys in there who are <clears throat> who are playing uh, to to possibly you know get uh, uh, new contracts or be on the team next year. At some point, I think we may find the Dolphins um, competitive just in regards to their effort. But but right now, um, they look like they have no interest at, at all in, in playing and even trying to compete. And I wish there was something that you know the NFL could do for it because, as a handicapper, we're we're scrapping possibilities off of our plate every single week, and and that's never fun. So um, can't route the Dolphins here, of course. Um, 
doubt that I would want to lay the points with the Cowboys either, but uh, it's just a shame. It's really a shame that we're kind of like down a team this year, and then with the Jets around the corner, could end up being down two teams before you know it. So uh, it's a no-go for me, that's for sure. It's almost like in fantasy, you know, when the one guy in your league isn't even trying or setting his lineup, you know, and it kind of just ruins the integrity of everyone. Terrible. Yeah, it it really does. Maybe they could implement a rule to where you know if you if you lose the Dolphins, we're going to send you to to Canada, um, <laughs> swap you out for a team no, like that. So you know, yeah, maybe there can be some some uh, you know maybe the NFL and, and they they seem to be good at popping out of nowhere making new rules. So maybe they'll they'll do something to make the Dolphins games uh, a little more interesting and intriguing this year. All right, so from huge spreads to I think two of the best matchups that we'll see this week. Uh, let's talk about the Ravens at the Chiefs. We got the Chiefs favored by six and a half points in this game. Uh, what? Actually, we've seen it move up to seven at some books here. Uh, what say you about this game? My, I haven't got to watch the tape uh, from this week for the Ravens yet. You know, I've watched the uh, the Chiefs Raiders already. Um, I've glanced at some of the, the, the Ravens, you know, box scores and, and some of the other analytics from this week. Um, originally, I, I look at this and and think that I want to jump all over the Ravens, um, which I still possibly could. I haven't made the final determination yet. I think one of the things that are definitely hold people back is the Ravens, uh, you know, competition that they've played against through the first two weeks and if if we want to see you know how real they are which from an intriguing standpoint um that that's definitely what this game will provide i think we're looking at at two playoff teams that'll be in the playoffs this year i get to see them match up other than the competition thing with the raiders though i mean with the ravens we look and um they definitely have the recipe to to compete with the Chiefs um, with how their defense matches up with the Chiefs. So uh, right now, you know, to look at it without fully handicapping the game, I'm, I'm liking the Ravens, and I'm really hoping that I find um, a couple extra edges that would pull me to possibly firing off on the, the Ravens' money line on the road. Um, if Lamar Jackson – continues to play like he plays against some better competition then then you know we could start talking about the ravens as being uh you know not most people already have them as super bowl contenders but uh if they come out and, and the defense plays against the chiefs like they've looked in the last couple of weeks and lamar jackson continually takes care of the ball and just doesn't turn it over then you know the ravens are definitely moving up my power rankings and uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how they play against uh, someone who's the same size and strength that they are. Yes, I definitely definitely like that. It, it's unbelievable what the NFL did this week where that's pretty much the only decent 1 o'clock game that we're going to see. All the all the games at 4 o'clock have like all the, you know, the, the great battles and the exciting storylines and whatnot. So, you know, 1 o'clock, at least, at least you know what you'll be watching in that, in that time slot. Um, Texans at Chargers. Uh, We actually see the Chargers at three or three and a half at some books here. Um, 69% of the public bets so far with the Texans in this one. Uh, How do you see this one playing out? Uh, It's a tough game to to handicap. It's, um, you know, I haven't gotten into it fully yet. Um, 
I haven't watched the the Chargers tape from this weekend. Uh, I, I have already checked out the Texans and and one of the problems with these teams is, is you know we're looking at potential playoff teams and of course it's early in this year but just from the um, the coaching staff and the quarterback position um, you just never know really what you're going to get. Philip Rivers is very consistent in starting and he produces, but he, he also, uh, at times, I don't really think it's him so much as the team and the offensive line. Um, we see inconsistencies in his play from one week to the next over the last couple of years. And of course the Texans, um, they just seem to be all over the board. The offense at sometimes looks great. And at other times they really struggle. Uh, Romeo Cornell defense coordinator, is, is at least one staple of consistency that they have there. So tough game to handicap. It's definitely one that, that I wouldn't take a position on right now without looking into it a little further. But um, it's also a good game, and I think it's an important game for both teams. Uh, the Texans' division is a little more wide open, uh, of course, compared to the Chargers and the AFC West with the Chiefs. So uh, it would be a huge win for the Texans on the road if they could steal this one especially after the tough loss on Sunday um, so I don't know we'll see what happens it's going to be a close game I, I look forward to, to really breaking down the, the game and checking out the uh, the Chargers tape before we make a decision but uh, it should be an interesting one um, That that's for sure yeah we gotta see if the Chargers can get Phillip Rivers uh, a kicker out there because you know how, how many games did they blow you know over the last Three seasons, it seems like. And then, of course, on Sunday, you know, they make a couple kicks. They win that game there against the Lions. But uh, And it seems seems to be the story of, you know, Philip Rivers. Uh, we, we saw years and years ago with, you know, LaDainian Tomlinson and, and uh, how stacked they were, and they just still couldn't get over the hump. And, and then we've also watched years where he's had um, – uh, I wouldn't want to say a 2019 Dolphins type team, but we've seen him with offensive lines that were, you know, just above high school grade, uh, low college players, and him be able to compete and keep the team around. So the Chargers, um, Chargers sometimes can be a hard time to ha- hard team to handicap sometimes on you know under Philip Rivers just because. Uh, he could win you the game, and then there's also times when um, you know he's had those stacked teams and hasn't performed. So it's a, it's a tough call. Very true, very true. All right, to close out our week three uh, preview, let's take a look at three games where we got new story, starting quarterbacks under center. Uh, all these games, of course, coming at 4 o'clock. So I was alluding to with the fantastic storylines. Actually, 1 o'clock out in your neck of the woods, but, you know, I guess we all the, the world lives on East Coast time, right? Yeah, out here in the West, we, we, we I think we have a good, you know, football on Saturdays is, is cranking off at 9 a.m. And and our Monday, Sunday night games are, are over at reasonable times for us to to still be able to, uh, to catch some sleep heading into the week. So no complaints here with watching sports on the West Coast. <laughs> nice. All right, so let's start it off with uh, that Saints at Seahawks game. I think that's still going to be a great game despite Breeze not being there. But uh, Seahawks, I, I believe I've seen this at four and a half, upwards of five and a half uh, at some books. Uh, with Teddy Bridgewater there, I know you said you weren't the biggest fan of Teddy Biz. However, we got the Seahawks who under who they did underperform at home in week one. Then they came back with a very strong performance here in week two. Which Seahawks team do you think we're going to see? And 
you know, uh, I guess it depends on the answer there. That going to make life uh, difficult on Bridgewater. Well, the, 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 the Seahawks under Pete Carroll seem to always play to their competition. Um, maybe not every single game, but, you know, it's whenever they have uh, big games and, and they're an underdog spot, they, they really step up and, and uh, take it down to the wire. Uh, but we also, or at least I have also noticed over the years that uh, there's oftentimes they are playing a wounded duck like the Saints, um, and it could be because of their game plan of controlling the clock with the run game and playing defense kind of keeps those games close. Uh, but the Seahawks at home, at home will be very tough for Bridgewater. Uh, Sean Payton, though, is a great game planner, great offensive um, schemer. So the fact that they know this all week going ahead and having the opportunity to work with Bridgewater to prepare him does give them some of a chance, but uh, due to their, their offensive line, you know, was already kind of a question mark to begin with heading into a, to a Seattle where the home crowd will be a factor. Um, it's going to be tough for the saints. You know, I, I, I think the Seahawks will win this game, um, but the four points, will be you know up in the air you know that's what makes this so fun about handicapping is the difficulty and uh, and, and not just picking the winner but you know also deciding on how this game will play out um i haven't made a final decision on what way i'll go with it but you know this is also one you wouldn't be surprised to see the seahawks controlling this game up 10 to 14 points throughout the the, the majority of it and then watch, uh, you know, Sean Payton and, and Bridgewater maybe um, up against the shell defense late, get a touchdown to cut it to one score. And will that one score be three to seven points? It's really hard to say at this time. But, um, you know, like I said, haven't really had a chance to, to look over and handicap it completely. Um, I'm not sure if I'll have a position or not, but, you know, Seeing Seattle, if I don't, it definitely won't go to this point. You'd have to buy it down there, but you know, having them at minus two and a half to three would have been a, a really good window to get in here. But uh, being at four and the possibility that that I wouldn't be shocked at all if it moves up to um, six, six and a half before kickoff, um, makes it kind of hard to pull the trigger on the Seahawks. And again, not real sure we. You can trust money behind Teddy Bridgewater at this point either. So uh, it's, it's going to be a tough one to handicap. Should be an interesting game. All right. Uh, one that I think is kind of ridiculous. I mean, I, I feel like the Niners are being a little overblown here, especially after t- taking down two teams in the Buccaneers and the Bengals. Woohoo! Congratulations. Now, they're taking on the Steelers here. Uh, but the line I see here, Steelers plus seven and a half. Uh, with Mason Rudolph here. Odd that we've only got a total here of 43 as well. Uh I kind of feel like Rudolph and the Steelers can not only cover, possibly even get this win against the Niners. What do you think? I I, I feel the same way. Um, unfortunately, we don't we, we don't have a lot uh, to go off of, and and our anticipation of what Rudolph's going to do for the Steelers. But um, as I've mentioned to before on the show, the Steelers as an organization. Um, they have trust, you know, I have trust in them that they're able to, to see through this uh, Ben Roethlisberger issue and still be a very competitive team. Um, I think Fitzpatrick coming in from Miami is going to provide 
uh, instant help. I, I think it's, um, you know, they, um, I'm pretty sure they put safety Sean Davis on the IR this morning. So that was probably another reason why they made the move, but it's not just a move to where you're trying to fill a hole. You're actually going to upgrade. Yeah, the, the, um, the defensive version of Fitzmagic. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's, that's a big move for the organization with a defense that's kind of been regressing uh, over the last couple of years. And after the, you know, the loss of Ryan Shazier and they've just never really um, gotten back to that Pittsburgh defense. So I, I see Pittsburgh as a live dog heading into San Francisco. Um, of course, you know, that all hinges on the, the quarterback play, but outside of that, the Steelers have a, a veteran led uh, offensive line that is, you know, definitely one of the top five in the league. Um, the continuity in the coaching staff is, is very important here too. And and Ben Roethlisberger, um, I guess to spin a a positive, if you can find one, you know, we're definitely seeing a downgrade to to, to Rudolph. But a lot of times, uh, for the offense coordinator to be, you know, coaching a, a guy like Roethlisberger. Uh, who does hold the ball a long time until plays break down and and have to be kind of reinvented on the fly. Um, It might be kind of refreshing for the offense coordinator to to be calling the plays and and having a younger quarterback, you know, in there who's wide-eyed, listening, and um, following that first read and also going through it. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm also kind of looking at the Steelers here um, on Sunday to – to try to confirm if they are a live dog and could possibly go into San Francisco and steal one. Um, and, and I think that is very doable um, because even though Roethlisberger is a big piece, that offensive line uh, is, is really um, mammoth and, and can pave holes open. And, and the defense is, you know, uh, very good and I think got upgraded this week. So I also see the Steelers as a good possibility of live dog. Um, I want to, flip over every rock and make sure that I'm not missing something on the 49ers here because, of course, the sports books have, have valued them very high as, uh, as giving up over seven points um, to, to a very good veteran Steelers team. So I, I, I see the same thing you see. Uh, Pittsburgh looks like a live dog here, but you know, before we put the money behind them, we want to leave no stone unturned to see if there, there's, there's some other edges uh, that San Francisco holds that we just haven't found yet. All right, uh, last game I want to talk about here, uh, the Giants at the Buccaneers. Of course, Daniel Jones named the starter today for uh, you know week three in this matchup. Giants, uh, before Jones was named the starter, they were six-and-a-half-point dogs. Now they've gone to seven-point dogs. What I found pretty interesting here, uh, Tampa Bay has the fourth-highest implied team total on the board. That's behind only the massively favored Cowboys, the massively favored Patriots, and the high-powered Kansas City uh, Chiefs offense. So not much has really changed in that regard uh, from the team total for the Buccaneers, but it does look like they're going to put some points up. I know Jameis has kind of been a little sluggish here at the start. Uh, we'll see if any, you know, obviously uh, the Giants secondary can help them out a little bit. They've been helping out every other quarterback they face so far. Uh, what do you think about this line here with seven? Is, are the Buccaneers really a, a seven-point favorite? I like the direction of the Buccaneers. I've been a fan of Winston uh, and a supporter of his, e- even through, you know, the down seasons. Um, a lot of that, I believe, was Dirk Cutter when he was the coach. I just 
didn't feel like he had the skill set to to be a head coach and isn't that great of a play caller to begin with. So I, I for um, as a supporter of Winston, I was happy to see you know Bruce Arians come in and bring Brown Leftwich with him to offensive coordinate the or call the offensive plays and also help help groom Winston. So you know I, I'm I'm buying the Bucks um, right now. The defense looks phenomenal uh todd bowles definitely has them rolling and we know that bruce arians even after you know week one the offensive kind of struggled in the turnovers that he is going to find a way definitely to score points we saw some of that last week um i, I think the bucks are on on an upswing here they're riding momentum uh, as they catch the giants coming in tampa bay and and the giants are you know again a mess uh Rather, you have Eli in there or, or Daniel Jones. You know, neither one of those guys are going to be able to block for themselves. The offensive line is already starting to break down. And, and if the defense, you know, as, as we were um, speaking before about the Jets, um, if the defense begins to just not play with effort because they don't feel like there's, you know, any chance that they win the game after it is continually being put back into the field after three and outs and, and th- things like that. If, if they start just giving up games and, and not putting forth effort, uh, which could start this week, you know, it sends a message to your, to the rest of your team. Mm-hmm. Whenever you, 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 you go with a rookie quarterback this early and you wonder how prepared, you know, and how much work they're going to put in during the off week to prepare for Tampa Bay. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Tampa Bay just blow their doors off this week, uh, riding the momentum of, of last week's win at Carolina. Um, they also have a couple extra days to prepare for the Giants after playing on a Thursday night. So um, it's not surprising me. I think the number will keep going up. We could possibly, you know, see this going off at, at, at as high as eight, eight and a half. I, I can't see it pushing, of course, past 10. Um so Tampa Bay is probably going to be the play this week, and, and then they probably are going to going to run the Giants out of Tampa. Oh, Chris, as a Buccaneers fan who will be watching the game with about fifty Giants fans, that that's just music to my ears right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I'm liking Tampa this week, and 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 again, you know, it would have been great to do, and you might still be able to get it, um, and because of how heavily the Giants are still bet on and. And, uh, you know, their fan base um, is huge and, and, they, and they do wager. They they might have a little spark of of wagering in them now that Eli's out of there. Yeah. They, you know, it's uh, they might decide to throw some money at Daniel Jones and, and hope he's the answer. Maybe we can see that number stay down um, and jump on a six and a half or a seven. Um, but I, I think Tampa Bay, you know, is going to be able to to come out fired up and build a lead and. And um, because of that momentum and not wanting, you know, always wanting to get up that three scores, I, I could see this one slowly pulling away for Tampa Bay and, and possibly putting the nail in the coffin in the third quarter, or the late third, early fourth quarter and going up three scores and and um, being an easy cover. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how the market reacts. It definitely would be nice to get in at the six and a half or seven and, and be able to um, – have them just need one score, even though I see them winning by more. Nice, nice. All right, so, uh, you know, I think we recap most of the big ones from uh, week three. Any uh, closing thoughts or any games that we didn't talk about that you like early on? No, I'm, I'm you know, still uh, – it, it's early in the week, so still watching tape, getting prepared for Sunday. 
Um, had seven plays last week. Uh, hoping, hoping we can find as many or or more heading into this week. But um, Tampa Bay is is definitely you know one to watch for. Uh, I also want to throw out there that uh, the Raiders kind of riding the public perception roller coaster. I think they were a little bit overvalued coming out of week one and heading into Minnesota this week. Um, it looks like they're kind of being undervalued. Uh, the defense definitely looks legit and um, a small move that may not be really noticed this week is Richie Incognito um, has finished his two-game suspension right. and will be back, uh, which should really help the run game. We're, we're seeing the, the Raiders come in at um, plus eight, and, you know, I doubt that it moves uh, into a two-score range, but it's something we're watching closely. So I would keep my eyes on the Raiders this week. Uh, and, and anything seven and a half or over is probably going to be um, a good bet, and, and the reason for that is uh, the same reason why they were a no-go in week two is is I think the public uh, undervalue and overvaluing teams uh, this early in the year uh, is still a good angle to, to look at. So uh, I would keep a close eye on the Raiders spread this week, um, see if it keeps trimming up. Uh, it's always tough to play in Minnesota. Doubt they can go in there and get the win, but – um, the defense still graded really high against the Chiefs, and because of uh, how, how well they're running the ball and seeing that Richie Incognito should help um, pave some lanes in the middle. I would keep Miles on the Raiders this week um, as a road dog going into Minnesota. Very interesting because last year in Week 3, uh, the Vikings were massive favorites over the Buffalo Bills, and Bills went in there and absolutely blew their doors off. So maybe we get that Week 3 magic going again. Sure, sure. I hope so. <laughs> All right. All right, so we talk with Chris Dawson today. Find him on Twitter at Cash Gritty. Also find his wonderful, wonderful material on sportspredictor.com that you're going to find every week. Uh, once again, follow Sports Predictor uh, on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Uh, we'll be back with Chris next week. I'm Al Walsh. We'll see you.